Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast. You are listening to Rooted by Eric Platt, where Eric is going through his life experiences, wounds of his own heart, and the ways that the Spirit of God has healed those things from an understanding of the Grace message. If you would like to learn more about Grace Church or find other messages, please visit us at graceorlando.com. All right, so I got a question for you. How many of you would like to be able to receive more grace? Of course, all of us, right? So we're going to talk about a little bit about knowing that condemnation or shame and guilt hinders us from receiving. And so we're going to get to the root of the matter here, okay? Uh, I love to use scriptures that you don't hear anybody else preach on because the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelations has amazing scriptures in it that you just don't hear some of those scriptures taught on, especially grace. So um, the first scripture is Proverbs. Now, let me tell you from my experience, okay, and this is 30 years of experience, all right, and I don't have it all, the answers yet, but I do have some answers because I've been changed. I don't care what your theology tells you. If there's no fruit from it, you need to go back and relook at your theology, just straight out, because I believed wrong before, and I didn't see the fruit, but by God's grace, he brought me to a place where I could see and I could be changed. So uh, vulnerability is the key with shame and guilt. Because see, when shame and guilt come in, we're not vulnerable anymore. We hide ourselves from God and we hide ourselves from other people. So we're really, you know, in a multitude of counselors or safety, we're not getting counsel from the people around us and we're not getting counsel from God and all because of shame and guilt. And I know all about carrying shame and guilt so much to the point I became so accustomed to it, I didn't realize I was carrying it anymore. And so the Lord opened my eyes and he showed me. So the first scripture is Proverbs 25.4. Remove or take away the dross from the silver, and it will be ready for the silversmith. Now, anytime you're reading the Bible, find out who's who in the story. So we're going we're gonna to talk about dross, but we're the silver. The silversmith is God. Do you know in the New Te- Testament, it says that we are his workmanship. That means he's doing the work, not us. But let's get to the root of it. What is this dross? What is it talking about? Anybody ever, like, remember back in the 90s and grunge? And it was cool to have silver. Like, I had silver and I was polishing all the time. It never had any dross on it because I was always polishing it. You know what I mean? So it could be like bling, bling, you know. And so, anyways, let's talk about what this dross is. So I'm going to teach you how to study because I think everybody needs to become a student of the Word of God. So show yourself to be approved by studying the Word of God. Not being approved by studying, but that you already are approved and you discover that in your studying. Amen? Okay, so dross, it's the, uh, the Hebrew word sug, which means refuse, dung, scum. Okay, now let's look at a couple other scriptures that are using the same word so that we can collaborate and put it all together and we can get a, uh, you know, something to sustain what we're talking about here. Okay, so the Tower of Babel, you don't really hear that preached. So the Tower of Babel was after the flood. It starts in chapter 11, okay? And basically what it was is all men got together and they wanted to build a tower up to God. And it says to make a name for themselves. To make a name for themselves. It's not about Jesus. To make a name for themselves. Do you know what? they used to build the brick. They didn't use stone and hewn it out like stone that was made in creation and build it. They used scum. It's literally the word scum to build the white bricks to build up their tower. What is that a picture of? 
self-effort. They were trying to make themselves righteous or equal with God by the works that they did. Doesn't that sound like a lot of people? Well, Eric, man, that sounds like, you know, it's not, God's not trying to bring up something that's disgusting. He's trying to say it doesn't have any value. Your self-effort to change you doesn't have any value. It will never work because if it could, Jesus would have never needed to come in the first place. Do you know the word salvation? Uh, Romans 10, 17, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved, okay, is uh, sozo, but the root is soteria. Do you know what the main word that means? Deliverance. God just didn't save you from hell. God is in the process of saving you and delivering you from things that you can't yourself. Amen? And then, so, uh, so then we got uh, Paul. He said, dude, Paul, so Paul, I love Paul. He goes, dude, if anybody can boast, I can. So let's go ahead and compare apples to apples. Well, I was, uh, I was uh, circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Hebrew, Pharisee. As concerning the law, blameless. How bold for him to say that. As concerning the law, I was blameless. And he goes on of all these accolades and things that he had accomplished. And do you know what he said then? They're all dung. And so this is a scubalian, and it literally means refuse or dung, which are the same. So what is this Proverbs telling us? This Proverbs telling us, take away your self-effort and you will be fit for the silversmith to refine you. Do you know how he refines silver? He puts it in a vessel and he brings heat to it and all the impurities that are in it rise to the top and he scoops it away. And you know, you might be having things right now that you've been coming to this class. It's like things seem worse than before. Like I'm hearing this and now all this stuff's coming up. It's good. Let it come up. Don't try to hide it. Don't, don't carry shame. Don't carry guilt. Don't worry about it because everybody that's out there right now And everybody that's in this room, we all got issues. And we need to be vulnerable about those things with God and with the people around us. Do you know David, through the Psalms, talked about all of his problems except for one problem, his sex life. And that was the one area he failed at. Hey, listen, Jesus can take it. Whatever it is, you can go and you can can come to him. Do you know, and I've got it written down somewhere here. Let me see if I can find it. In 12.8 or 8.12 of John, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever falleth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you know those areas in our heart, because we're covering them, we're hiding them, we're trying to cover them with all of our works? The light of life isn't exposed to them, so therefore we're not getting the healing that we need to get. And so how do we come to God today? We don't follow God physically, right? He lives inside us. So uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. See, when the Hebrews heard this, they went ecstatic because all they knew was God as a judge, especially for the period of time that they were under the law. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. You know, so the word boldly, it's synonymous with uh, Proverbs 28.1. The righteous are bold as a lion. Do you know what it means to be righteous? That everything that could have ever or w- will ever or would it or, or will ever 
try to come against us and judge, condemn us, and punish it, it has no authority to do it anymore. That's the first thing, is just realizing that I can't change myself, but I can come to Him and I'll receive mercy. That means I won't get what I deserve and I'll get grace, I'll get what I don't deserve in a time of need. People, I, I mean, I've been in the church for 20 years and I've watched people carry wounds their whole life and never get healing. Doesn't mean they're not saved. Doesn't mean they're not the righteousness of God. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. Doesn't mean any of that. It just simply means they haven't gotten their inner healing because they haven't exposed it to the light. Right. And shame and guilt is what is counting them back. So then we go on my testimony. So Eric, okay, all that sounds good. What have you been through? Well, let me share it with you. <laughs> Five years ago, I went through severe depression. I couldn't get off the bed. I lie to you not, I couldn't get off the bed. And I started drinking. And my drinking habit turned into eight shots of rum a day, starting the day off with beers and the little mixed coolers. So I basically pass out every night. And I was hiding from my wife. She didn't know exactly how much I was drinking. And this went on for, from 2015 to part of 2016. And uh, we were moving from Oxnard, California, and we were moving to Tampa. And, uh, and the whole time, I'm like, you know, because I want to do the right thing, right? Hey, listen, you wanting to do the right thing doesn't empower you to do the right thing. Amen. Let me say that one more time. You wanting to do the right thing doesn't empower you to do the right thing. And so... I try time again, like I do good one day, yeah, dude, I'm in there. And I knew grace, man. I mean, I could teach this stuff all day long. I knew it. It's not like I didn't know it, but I'm experiencing something here that I'm going to go through that's going to empower me to have a testimony and have an anointing and an ability to help other people going through similar things, just like all of you have the same thing. And uh, so I would do good. I fail. And I ended up drinking even more. So we moved, uh, we moved and we're waiting in Tampa for the next day to come so that we can move into our actual house. And I was sitting there and I had just, there was a Burger King right next to the hotel that we were at and I had all the goodies. Like, just think about all the goodies of Burger King, the little cheesecakes, you know, the, the double Whopper, you know, the French fries, the big old soda, you know, just, I was just eating. And I was in my shorts and I looked down and I was like, I got cankles. <laughs> I was close to 300 pounds. If you want to see the picture afterwards, I got the picture to prove it. So my eating habits were so horrible and drinking. Like I'm a personal trainer as well. And so like when people say, oh, can I drink? Still say, hey, well, how much are you drinking? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're drinking a case of, case of beer a week and, you know, hitting shots of, you know, Jack Daniels, you know, every night, probably isn't going to do you any good no matter how much you work out, you know? And so uh, I looked down at the cankles and in that moment of vulnerability, I said, Father, I, I can't live like this no more. Immediately took away the desire for drinking. Just because my wife is a nurse, and she said, hey, you got to detox, because I was drinking way too much. I was, man, I was what the Bible calls a wine bibber. That's what I was. I was a wine bibber. You know what I mean? I mean, I was getting drunk every day for a year. And uh, I drank one can of the little mix and the second week, a half each day. And after two weeks, I was completely on. I haven't touched a drink since. And hey, listen, I'm not saying you can't have a drink. I can't have a drink because I know my personality and I just know the stuff that I deal with. I can't drink. But anybody that does drink, there's no condemnation. Enjoy. 
Yeah, I love I love when they come up to you and they're like, "Oh, the the wine wasn't fermented back in Jesus' day." Yeah, yeah. Welch is the Wel Welch was the first one to be able to figure out how to separate the two, and that was in like 1800s. Yeah. All right. Anyways, moving on. I know it's less promote. Yeah, everybody drink, have fun, do what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. Romans 8, 1 through 3. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For, the, for the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the, the spirit of law and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. We're going to park right here for a second. Condemnation is shame and guilt. It is. I've studied this inside out. It's shame and guilt. Okay, so let's break down these words. So condemnation is kata krima. Kata means down, krima means judgment. But if you want to get more into this word, kata means to be pressed down low. Wait a second, we're seated together at the right hand of God. So whether the enemy's using a person or he's got a personal attack and you're being brought down low, you know that shame. Because that's not your position. That's not who you are. That's not how God sees you. Okay, and then crema literally means to be stabbed with accusations. So to be pressed down low and stabbed with accusations. Mm -hmm. Did you know the word for mouth? I've got it all written up here. You can look back at it. Is the word stoma. It means a sword or a weapon. And then we know death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So that's Proverbs 18.21. So check out the word for tongue. Lashon. Lamid, shin, vav, final noon. The authority to destroy and or establish life. See, something, somebody could have told you something when you were a little girl, a little boy, and it's still rolling around your head accusing you. And because you don't know that that's not from God, and you're thinking it might be from God, you're receiving it. But when you come to a place where you know that it is impossible based on blood covenant between God the Father and God the Son. God could never, ever, ever condemn you again. Wow. Now, so Eric, what condemns? The law. The law condemns. So uh, 2 Corinthians 3.6, it says grace ministers life. The, uh, verse 3.7, ministers death, the law. And then 3.8, ministers condemnation. So it literally is saying the law is the ministry of condemnation and death. And all it takes is a little bit of law to mix in with grace, and you affect the whole thing. So then it goes on, and it talks about sin in the flesh. What is sin in the flesh? So I broke it down for you. Um, sin is harmatea, which is a noun. There's a verb and there's a noun. Harmatea is a noun. And then uh, flesh is sarks, which is passions. So a noun is a person, a place, or a thing. The flesh is what's left behind after Jesus' finished work that we can't get rid of, and God couldn't get rid of it. But do you know what he did do? He took that sin in the flesh, and he placed it on Jesus, and he condemned it, and judged, condemned, and punished him so he would never. So anytime wrong passions, thoughts, all these things come up, that's not who you are. And if you accept that's who you are, 2 Corinthians 5.17 has no bearing anymore because it says old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not what you feel or what you think. And that's the flesh. And you can't beat that. Fire can't fight fire with that. Only grace can fight that. Because those things are going to come. And when they do and they rise up, that ain't me. Woo, I'm going on my business. That ain't me. That I'm not, that's not who I am. Amen? 
And I love after it says he's condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law may be fill, fulfilled in us, not by us, in us. God's work in us. He works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. See, when you really you want to know what a mature believer is, you rest. Dude, it's not how much works you do. It's not how much you serve in the church. Nothing's wrong with any of those things. But a real mature Christian is somebody that rests. Just as God ceased from his work on the seventh day, therefore also, this is Hebrews 4, therefore also we have ceased from our works. What, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about just do, like, you know, you can do good works. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing anything for the purpose of trying to get your position with God or get something for God or being right standing with God, you're wasting your time. Jesus already accomplished all that. There's nothing you can add to that. Right. Amen? Amen? All right, now we're going to talk about the burnt offering, and we're going to wind it up with this. So there's five different offerings. There's a burnt offering, there's a sin offering, a trespass offering, a peace offering, and a meal offering. Remember, five is the number of grace. God's breath. He, blew, he took Abraham to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah and said, this time next year you're going to have a child. If God just breathes in our way, that's all it takes. And it's like, woof. Okay, so the burnt offering. So basically, I'm going to use Melissa. So basically, uh, and I'm going to use uh, Nikki. Okay, so she's your lamb. Bring, bring her to me. Come on, lamb. I, <laughs> I'm the high priest, okay? So basically, what? Uh, so Nikki's bringing her offering. So the, fir so the first thing that I do. I'm so confused. You're the lamb. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So the first thing the first thing the priest is going to do is going to it's going to examine the lamb, not the one who's bringing it. God's not examining you to see how good you are. He's examining Jesus, and that's set to your account how good you are. Okay. All right. So then once examined, it's good. Okay. You're going to take your hand and you're going to lay it on top of her head. So all of the identity of the lamb is transferred to her, and all of her identity is transferred to the lamb. This is called the exchange. Sort of like what we have out there for the prayer team, where you come and you exchange your burdens, and you cast your burdens down, and you receive grace in its place. Okay? Now, the next thing that's interesting, now this is the burnt offering, okay, is that she takes, I give her a knife, and she cuts off her head. <laughs> off with her head. Okay, then you cut off the legs. Which would be the arms too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> then she would, she, only the priest can do this to the priest. The priest would clean out the entrails. Just, let's just park here for a second. Only the priest, now Jesus is our high priest now, only the priest can clean us out or change us from the inside out. You know what the head represents? Identity. The legs represent the path. So basically, Everything that she was before she became, and then she's thrown into the fire to where you can go ahead and sit down. She doesn't like being the lamb. And you know what's left? Ashes. And Isaiah 61.3 says, he will give you beauty for ashes. See, took the beauty and exchanged it for ashes. Hey, Everything in your life that isn't becoming of who you are before God is ashes. Matter of fact, he says, I'll remember your sin no more. Double negative, ume. No, never. 
See, we don't walk around like that a lot of time. Oh, man, I did this. And we all do. Me too. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not where I used to be. I'm a lot farther along. But I know that I'm, I've got areas that God's working in. Amen? Amen. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So Paul, how many know that the, uh, the, uh, the, the epistle for Romans was written to Jew and Gentile? You read through the book. It's, writ it's written both to Jew and Gentile. And um, so he's coming here in chapter 12, verse 1, and he goes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, whenever they use the word brethren, okay, it could have been Paul talking to his Jewish brothers, or uh, in the Greek, it literally means to be of the same womb. Okay? All right, so I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, so this is all by the mercies of God that you present yourself as a living sacrifice. This is the picture he's using for the burnt offering, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. So what does that mean? That when you present yourself to God, you're coming knowing I have a new identity. That's not my path of life anymore. And he's changed me from the inside out. Amen. That's how you come to God. And that's your reasonable service. Wow. See, a lot of people like to twist that and say, oh, you got to go out and serve in the church and do all That's great. You can serve in the church all day long. You know what? I learned more not serving in the church for the last four years than I did while I was serving in the church because God really got to just have his time with me that he wanted and change me. And now, obviously, you know, he's put me, he's put me back in a position where, I, you know, I can bless the church. But I went through four years of healing, and I learned a whole lot of stuff during those four years. And you know what? Sometimes it's good for you to sit down for a little while because you need the healing because when you're wounded, you hurt other people. Because wounded people hurt wounded people. And I've seen way too many, I'm not referring to this church, but in the past I've seen way too many leaders that were wounded that had no business being in those positions because they weren't helped to anybody because they were hurting the church. They weren't helping the church. Amen? Now, you're like, okay, so how does, that, how, does, how does that come about? Then he's like, okay, I'm going to put in this last thing, right? I love this, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world. You're not of this world anymore. You're in Christ. Do not be conformed to this world. And this world, everybody, oh, it's drugs, it's sex. No, no, religious system. He's talking about a religious system, and we're not part of that anymore. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. It's a Greek word, metamorpho, means to change form by the renewing of your mind. That word, re that word renewing uh, literally means ananeo, to reverse and start all over new again. So everything that you thought you knew before grace, out the door. There was a few things I kept once I came into grace, and that was just some of the Hebrew stuff that I had learned. I brought that in with me, but I flipped it around for grace. But everything else, I mean, I left that behind because guess what? That was all dung. It was all dung. That, so, so it do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You may prove of what God says who you are. Not you prove to yourself, not you prove to other people, but that you, you may prove of what God says who you are. Because in the end, it doesn't really matter what other people say. It matters what God says.
Because God sees, like Javen always uses the word for truth as reality. It, it really, it, and it also means something that's unveiled. So then you see what was really there in the first place. But only God sees in perfect reality and sees how he sees you. And he wants you to renew your mind to line up with how he sees you. And as you do that, you will find yourself in a better place than you were now, a year from now. And I will tell you this, I renew my mind every single day. Even, even when I don't even feel like I'm, I'm, I'm up at work at five in the morning and I've got a Joseph Prince CD in, and guess what, man? I'm rolling, I'm listening. And I've been listening to the same CD ever since I started that job, and that area of my life has been changed. Same CD, over and over and over. It never gets, oh, did I get something new out of it every time. You got something, Kim? All right, come up and then you can uh, wrap it up with prayer.